Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. And this week we are talking about minute number... 94. And it's another great minute. We I say that a lot. I say that a lot on, at the top of these shows. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said this is a minute. horrible minute. <laughs> I'm excited because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there is. I was telling uh, Ben earlier today off mic that I think 40 minutes will probably be the normal for, <laughs> for the rest of the movie here. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I think there might be a couple here and there that there isn't as much going on as you think. Watch I say that and this episode's going to be 15 minutes and people will be like, what the heck? No, it won't because I have a whole scene that was not in the movie that's in the book. And I have a couple of notes that um, I forgot to mention last week about Cornelia's room. So I'll talk about those in just a second. Do you have anything okay. before we dive into minute number 94? No, I do not. Except for nobody has gotten back to us on the doll that we're trying to identify. It, it's still unidentified. So that was a good segue into my first note. It was about the mystery doll. Oh, okay. Another 80s doll that I thought this could have been, but upon closer examination, we have ruled it out, was, of course, a Hug-A-Bunch doll. These were dolls from Kenner. They were all plush. They had very similar faces to this doll in the chair. The eyes mm -hmm. weren't dark like the one in the movie. Right. But at first glance, you would think, oh, that's a Hug-A-Bunch. But the timeline doesn't quite match up. These were dolls released by Kenner, and they were launched in 1985. Mm -hmm. So unless in the movie universe, Cornelia got a prototype of a Hug-A-Bunch doll. But it doesn't quite seem like that. Another theory that we didn't bring up that I meant to bring up, could that be the doll that Santa gave her on their first meeting? We don't know. We never see it. I know. We never saw it, but that could be the doll that Santa... It, it could be. It doesn't yeah. look like a North Pole-made doll, but, you know, it could be. We could go with that. We don't know. I mean, it could... It, I mean, it looks like it's all cloth, so it very well could be. And one sidebar before we continue on. It's doll-related. It's actually Hug-A-Bunch-related. I was just amazed at how little cultural impact Hug-A-Bunch made. Because there was a huge push, apparently, on the Wikipedia page. They mentioned that there was a made-for-TV movie about the Hug-A-Bunch dolls. It looked like it was puppets and live action. And at the time, it was the most expensive TV special ever made at that time. And it actually won a primetime Emmy. And now you can watch it on YouTube, apparently. But uh, obviously, Kenner had high hopes for Hug-A-Bunch. That never came to fruition, right, Ben? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> All right, moving on from the dolls, but still in Cornelia's room before we go into minute 94. Remember all the horses and all the horse paraphernalia around Cornelia's bedroom? Yes. Another note that I forgot to bring up last week because we were talking about that doll for 45 minutes <laughs> was we were curious. It's like, well, maybe, maybe Carrie was interested in horses and they incorporated that into Cornelia's character. We don't have an interesting sound clip, but one, when we asked Carrie about that, she had no recollection of the bedroom whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and two, she didn't. She wouldn't have had interest in horses. Do you remember why, Ben? Yes, because uh, Carrie is actually allergic to horses. 
So, uh, so this wasn't something that Carrie would have inspired in Cornelia's character. Right. Yeah. And Carrie also informed us that that horse allergy also extended to reindeer as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, she, she was allergic she was to ha- reindeer. Yeah, she had, she had a rough time on some of those days on the set, apparently. So minute 94, you ready to go into minute 94, Ben? <laughs> yes, please. Let's get started. <laughs> so Santa is still miserably sitting there in Dooley's office, Dooley's room, chambers. What would you call this room? The yeah, mail room. <laughs> yeah, the mail room, I guess, is a good place for it. Because I don't think it's technically Dooley's office, even though he does spend a lot of time there. Because in the book, Dooley's office is the place that has the giant telescope. And this doesn't have a giant telescope in it. No, the only giant telescope we saw was back with Season's Greetings, and that seemed to be on the main floor. Yeah. The main workshop floor. But I don't I know where that it's... is. But I believe that is Dooley's office, like his personal office. But he seems to like to escape to this room quite often. Yeah. Probably the elves are loud. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, Santa is still miserable. He's sitting there by the chimney fireplace that the letters would come through. Dooley's still sitting at the table about the preparations for this upcoming Christmas. When suddenly, a letter drops down the chimney behind them. It catches both of their attention. They both turn around and look, and Dooley asks, What's this? Santa kind of shrugs and says, Looks like a letter. In January? Bit early for next Christmas, isn't it? Well, so in the book, there is a line that has been cut out, and I believe it is a creative choice as to why they didn't say this. But in the book, Santa says... Maybe it got lost in the mail. You know the post office these days. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. So that's why I think it was cut out because they have the north wind bringing the mail in the movie. You know what I mean? So the post office isn't really involved at all in this movie version of how that kids get their mails to Santa. And then uh, it says all Santa could think was that he had let another child down. Like, the child's letter got lost in the mail, so he didn't get what he wanted for Christmas. That line would have made more sense in the Rankin and Bass, Santa Claus is coming to town. Remember, it was like a mailman telling the whole story. Yeah. Driving his little mail truck, followed by the penguin and all that. (laughs) Hey, it's getting late, and I've got these letters to deliver. And you better be getting home, too. And remember, behave yourselves. Because Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. And now that you know all about him, you can be darn sure that comes snow or high water, Santa Claus is coming to town. And it's sad that his thought immediately goes to, oh, I let someone down. I thought mm-hmm. that I was expecting it to go to him thinking like, oh, these kids are so greedy. Bothering me in January. Oh. <laughs> No, he just thought that someone's letter got unanswered. Santa examines the letter and comments on the familiar writing. Familiar writing? Santa opens the letter, which is written on some colorful stationery with a bunch of colorful, like, birthday balloons along the top and some confetti in the background. What you'd definitely expect a little girl in the 80s to have stationery of. Oh, for sure. I probably had something very similar. It is worth noting that the letter is both unfinished... 
and unsigned. That north wind just picked it up before Cornelia even finished her thought. Mm-hmm. And there are some differences between what Cornelia wrote and the voiceover from the previous minute. The first one, this is pretty minor, but last minute we heard Cornelia uh, in the voiceover say, Dear Santa, you've got to help. What she actually wrote down was, Dear Santa, you got to help right away. You know, that's pretty minor, but still a difference worth pointing out. Now, here comes the part that Ben and I, I guess, do we have a difference of opinion of or just see it differently? I think we see it differently. <laughs> so Cornelia wrote down, I'm sorry to say he's a relation of mine, referring to who captured Joe. Mm -hmm. And what Cornelia added in the letter that we didn't hear her say in the voiceover was... Joe's been taken prisoner by a very bad man. I'm sorry to say he's a relation of mine. Sort of. Don't you think that is a little cold of Cornelia? No. Referring to BZ as, oh, he's just sort of a relation of mine. He is only sort of a relation. She, it's a step uncle. But she still seems to be rejecting BZ. He's a bat. He's the villain of this movie. But we what haven't seen him. We haven't seen him like being abusive or yelling at her or anything. He seems to be providing her with a very lavish lifestyle. Yeah. See, this is you leading into what you want to do later. We're looking at this movie. And as far as we know, BZ is the bad guy who originally was based off of Beelzebub. Okay. And he has kidnapped and he put on ice a little kid. So whether or not he has acted poorly towards Cornelia or not, he is not a good man. And her not wanting to say that he is a full relative of hers is not an insult. If they had just thrown in a little bit of dialogue during the Towser and BZ part where Towser could have asked, what about your niece? After mm. we're going to escape to Brazil. And then BZ says something like, who cares? You know, we wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> whatsoever. Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but I'm pretty they... sure that was implied. <laughs> well, stay tuned. When she did till... come up in the whole conversation, I think it was pretty much implied that he doesn't care what happens to Cordelia. Well, that could have been what they were going to discuss in the study after they got done laughing maniacally. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> so there is one unfinished sentence at the end of this letter, and it reads, I'm scared he'll hurt Joe. There's also an and after there. I'm scared well, he'll hurt Joe and. That's how it is yeah. in the movie. Yeah. So good thing Santa only knows one person named Joe. <laughs> yeah. He knew right away. This scene also basically destroys my all-knowing Santa theory because you would think Santa would have already seen all this coming yeah. or been keeping tabs on them through the magical snow globe. But maybe right. he was too depressed to do that and was kind of letting things slip by. Maybe, maybe he didn't think they cared for him anymore. But that snaps Santa out of his depression, finally. He, he snaps to attention, and he tells Dooley... Saddle up the reindeer. But it's only two weeks, and should be now. What day would this be in the timeline? 
Okay, so two weeks from December 25th, 1984, is January 8th, 1985. So we have a It's date. a Tuesday, by the way. It's Tuesday. <laughs> this is the detail that I love in this podcast. This is why I love doing this. I also want to note that if Cornelia wrote this note on the same day Santa receives it, I just want to remind everyone that Cornelia wrote this note at 8.10 a.m. That's true. Yeah, we established that last mm-hmm. minute. So I, I also want to say, uh, you know how Santa is saying, it's Joe, hitch up the reindeer? In the book, Dooley d- was kind of like shocked and kind of surprised and he didn't really know what was going on uh, because he had no idea who Joe was. <laughs> Julie was completely lost. He's like, Joe, what about who's Joe? Like, what? And then hitch up the reindeer. And he's like, it's only been two weeks. Like, what? I never even thought of that. It's like Santa hasn't been telling everybody else his adventures with Joe and Cornelia. No. I mean, we know Anya knows who Joe is, kind of. Yeah, he's brought because, him up because he was carving the elf portrait for him. And, kind of, and he right, said he reminded but, him of the son he never had. Yeah, but that was about, that's all we know, that he has shared who Joe is. Before we move on, I do want to Google real quick mm-hmm. some of the things that were going on in the world. All right, so not too much happened on Tuesday, January 8th, 1985, at least on Wikipedia. <laughs> Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency launches... Saki Gate, Japan's late, uh, first interplanetary spacecraft. Mary Lou Retton, American gymnast who won the hearts of the USA in the 1984 Summer Olympics, was named the Associated Press Female Athlete of the Year. And Grace Morley, U.S. Museologist. What is it? What? I don't know what that is, but she died at age 84. Oh. So that all happened on the same day. That Santa opened Cornelia's letter. <laughs> so Santa gets up and Boog, Honka, and Vout scurry into the room. This can't wait. Ah, just the elves I want to see. Hitch up the reindeer. We're flying out at 1,900 hours. Now, here's a discrepancy. In the book, he says, oh, 900 hours. So in the movie, he's saying 1,900, which is 7 p.m., and in the book, he's saying 9 a.m. So there's a little bit of a time difference. So if, if it was 9 a.m., if he wanted to leave at 9 a.m., it, it wouldn't make any sense. So I'm glad that in the book, I mean, I'm glad in the movie, they changed it to 1,900 hours. You think somebody looked up the time difference between the North Pole and New York? Yes, because the North Pole is five hours ahead of New York. So 9 a.m. in the North Pole would be 2 a.m. in New York. So it would have, the time would have been all messed up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you wrote the letter at like 8 in the morning. Right. If 8 in the morning in New York, it wouldn't be, it would already be in the afternoon in the North Pole. But he must get that, that letter must arrive quickly. If she writes it at 8 o'clock in the morning, and that would make it um, one o'clock in the afternoon, right? S- at the North Pole when it arrives. If I mean, we go by your five-hour time difference, yeah. 
Right. So it would be five o'clock, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon when the note is written and he wants to get the reindeer out at seven o'clock. So that's a, that's a six hours for the note to arrive and for them to get the reindeer hitched up. So that note arrived pretty quickly. Well, the North Wind knew it was an emergency. Yeah. Didn't even give Cornelia a chance to finish it off. That's that right. North Wind knew that Santa would instantly know who wrote that note. And I just want to, I don't want to talk about the future, but uh, in a few minutes when we see Santa arrive in Cornelia's room, there was very quick turnover, you know, for him to get back to New York from the North Pole. He's quick. I'm just going to leave that there. He's quick. He's really pushing those reindeer. Yeah, Joe's in trouble. <laughs> that's right. drop everything for Joe. That's right. Boog says to Santa. Well, that's what we came to tell you. It's Comet and Cupid. What about them? Then Honka tells Santa that they have the flu. They've got flu. Just had to differentiate who was talking in that clip. We heard Boog, and then we heard Honka. <sighs> this would have to happen now. Yeah, in the book, he says, hmm, what a bad break. Same type of phrase, but, you know, a little different. Well, I'll have to make do with six. Get them ready, feed them. Little Joe needs me so the reason why he was like i mean obviously he doesn't want to be mean to the reindeer so he has to only take the six but he didn't want to take the two sick ones even though he could have used them because they could get pneumonia real quick being sick and out into that cold air i'm glad you shed light on how Dooley was confused because they do stand around the elves boog honka vout and Dooley, kind of all stand around looking confused and shrugging their shoulders but now you shed some light on that. It makes sense because none of them know who little Joe is. Yeah, and why all of a sudden after two years, Santa has some pep in his step. That, that's true too. <laughs> so in the movie, it cuts from here straight to Santa talking to the reindeer. Correct? That is correct. Well, I have a bit from the book that I would like to read you. That okay. happens between these two scenarios. So it's a little bit of a section, so bear with me here. Everything was ready in record time as both man and reindeer prepared for unexpected action. Anya, still wearing her yellow striped nightshirt and cap, when Claus couldn't sleep, neither could she, was stunned by the transformation that had overcome her husband. It sent her own spirits soaring to see her beloved Claus acting like himself again. In fact, she had not seen him so bold and determined, his eyes flashing so brightly for centuries. She had almost forgotten that look in all of these long years of peace and happiness. And as she watched him hurry away toward the tunnel and his waiting reindeer, she suddenly thought of something else she had forgotten for years. Rushing into her bedroom, she had rummaged through a trunk for one thing that she had kept from their former life. Through all of these countless years, finding it at last, she hurried after him, catching up with him as she as he reached the toy tunnel, which was empty now except for the ready sleigh. Wait, she cried. Claus looked back at her. He had already reached his sleigh, which had only six reindeer hitched to its traces this time. I can't wait, he shouted, waiting. What is it? <laughs> she ran up to his side breathless and thrust out the thing she carried here she said you'll need this 
He took the offered item from her hand and stared at it. It was a tiny, ancient bottle of schnapps. He blinked in disbelief. How long have you had this? He asked wonderingly, looking up at her. Since the 10th century, Anya smiled, suddenly looking a little embarrassed. I was saving it for a special occasion. (laughs) Claus grinned and took the bottle into his pocket. They kissed briefly but fondly as Claus embraced her with the passionate urgency of a soldier, leaving his family to fight the battle of his life. Then she turned with a last smile, one that begged him to come back home safely and hurried away to find Dooley and his telescope. (laughs) Well, I can see why that got cut. Yep. (laughs) I, I wasn't expecting Anya to be pulling out her stash of booze for Santa. That, that that was definitely unexpected. I thought, oh, it was going to be something that he brought on that first uh, sleigh ride to see little Elsa back in the beginning of the movie. But nope, it was it was a little bit of booze. Warm Santa's tummy on the way, I guess. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, for obvious reasons, I can see why that was cut from the movie. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought it was a fun interaction between the two of them that you don't really see in this movie. No, there's a lot of things we would have liked to see more of in this movie. Yeah, we'll talk about more of what we would have liked to see in this movie when we recap things at the end. But yeah, definitely more interaction between Anya and Santa would have been one of them. And I'm glad we're seeing Santa, his old Santa self again. Mm Mm-hmm. But one thing that occurred to me is like, you know, we've... The first half of the movie rushed through all of Santa's greatest hits, you know, Naughty and Niceless, Night Before Christmas, all of that, that we never really got to see Santa enjoying his job or making connections with kids. Right. That is something that you, I feel like is a crucial ingredient that may have been missing in this movie. Because we see that in Tim Allen, we see that Miracle on 34th Street, we know why Santa loves being Santa. Right. Yeah, and here, you don't see that with him. Yeah, and then half the movie is Santa just like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this seems like nothing. <laughs> this job is bringing him nothing but misery. It causes him to lose weight and have to eat celery stalks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, it, you know, the. I know we talked about it before when we first saw Joe and Cornelia, but they're the only kids you see, really, in this whole movie. You know, you would, it would have been nice to have a little bit more interaction between Santa and other kids, even if it was just quick little glimpses here and there, you know, like I think they tried to allude to it a little bit when Joe and Joe and Santa were in Cornelia's living room and she came in and he goes, oh, I hate it when this happens or, you know, something like that. So Mm -hmm. obviously he's had interactions with the kids before. Like, they've woken up, but you don't see any of it in the movie. So you don't really know if he's actually seeing these kids or not. I mean, yeah, except for little Elsa, like I said, way at the beginning. Yeah. When he's actually Santa, we just see happy kids in montages. But we don't have we don't have those magical connections. Like, Santa, like the little wink in his eye, like, yeah, I'm really Santa. Have a Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right. Santa's like, just, it's like business as usual. It's just business basically like when he first met cornelia it's like oh what's your name little girl it's like Mm -hmm. dude 
you're in her house with a gift for her and you don't know her name? <laughs> right. <laughs> he should have known that. He should know every kid's name automatically. It's the magic of being Santa. All right. So we'll put a pin in that for now. We'll save that for the recap. <laughs> There's so many things to discuss in the recap. Holy moly. So like the book said, Santa is now in the toy tunnel not many toys in it because it's after christmas he's done all the delivering there's like a smattering of toys here and there sort of like you go into a department store after christmas and there's like a couple toys here and there that got left behind but yeah before the toy reset occurs <laughs> santa is walking like up the up the hallway he's like a coach giving the team a pep talk mm -hmm. it, it seems to cut in like mid-speech because yeah. it starts with Boys, we have got ourselves one heck of a problem here. Our little friend Joe is in trouble. And if we don't help him, I don't even like to think. So Santa doesn't even like to think, apparently. That was not cut off at all. That was just, <laughs> that's where his speech ended. In the book, it says Santa Claus strode forward along the length of the ancient but perfectly preserved sleigh to face his reindeer putting his hands on his hips like a coach before the kickoff. Oh. Like a general exhorting <laughs> exhorting his troops, he began to speak to the waiting animals. So you had it perfectly, dear. <laughs> I totally got what they were going for. <laughs> he said, I know it's only been a few weeks since Christmas. I know you're still beat to your hooves. And I know you're looking forward to a year's rest and relaxation. And believe me, nobody deserves it more. Nobody. And he leaned forward, clenching his mittened fists, meeting one pair of weary reindeer eyes, and then another as he cried with heartfelt concern. But boys, we've got ourselves one heck of a problem here. And he goes on to in the movie. So. Oh, so... So not mm -hmm. only did I get the, the coach connection, but also yeah. my feeling that we were coming in mid-speech. They cut yep. off a chunk of Santa's speech there. Mm -hmm. And we do get some nice close-ups of the reindeer reacting to Santa's pep talk here. Yes. So what do you think Santa doesn't even like to think means? I guess we'll find out next week. Yep, next week we'll find out. But it's so nice to see Santa being energized again. Santa, you're back. I know, it's been wearing us down too, watching you like this or disappearing for large chunks of your own movie. <laughs> and he hasn't even had the schnapps yet. It's still in his <laughs> <coat> pocket. <laughs> oh boy, I, I, I don't even know what to think if they had left that in the movie. That would have been a jaw dropper. It's like, what? Especially since earlier on in the movie, we saw the drunken street corner santa taking mm -hmm. a swig out of a paper bag bottle i guess that wouldn't have been very good to see the real santa also taking a couple swigs out of a bottle of booze i that I, my notes are my notes are done for this week mine are too we had a lot though do you want to talk about the hug a bunch some more no i'm good <laughs> we can move on <laughs> we'll watch that emmy award-winning tv special <laughs> with, cre with creepy puppets. When you hug them, when you squeeze them, when your hugs alone can please them, you feel the love of the hug a bunch. The hug a bunch, each sold separately. Imkins with Nuzzler, Huggins with Hugabye, Tickles with Giggler. Tickles, Imkins.
Huggins, practicing our bear hugs. Huggins, I have a special hug, too. Tickles, your tickle hugs make Giglet laugh. <laughs> Good work. Ready for more? Yay! Let's hug. <laughs> hug a bunch, friends. Each sold separately with a Huglet. Imkins with Nuzzler, Huggins with Hugabye, Tickles with Giglet. New from Kenner. Luckily, Cornelius Dahl wasn't a Hug-a-Bunch, so we don't have to subject ourselves to the Hug-a-Bunch movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, where can people follow us? Well, if they would like to comment on anything we just talked about or anything Santa Claus the movie related. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Santa Minute. Or you can email us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes. For free! 